This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Balls and Fraser Nelson. Now, Katie, we're talking after the big vote last night on the Privileged Committee report. The voting figures were 354 votes in favour of the report and seven against. Uh, what's the reaction in Westminster today and thoughts on for last night's vote? So I don't think it was quite the fireworks that some MPs were suggesting it would be last week. You were covering the debate, James. Only a handful of MPs really spoke in Boris Johnson's defence. You had Jacob Rees-Mogg, um, one of his besties, giving a speech in which he talked, you know, compared almost the to communist China, I think. And um, that almost set the tone. But curiously, Jacob Rees-Mogg did not then vote mm-hmm. when actually the suggested punishment of not being allowed this Commons pass, which former MPs are entitled to, was put up later. And... Boris Johnson, I think, in a way, had, had anticipated the fact that he wasn't going to have mass supporters here, already suggesting to supporters, stand down, this isn't the fight worth having. Almost, I think, partly to avoid a Windsor framework repeat where you actually look a bit weaker. So it means that while only six MPs voted to block the report, we know that was that was with the former Prime Minister suggesting to his supporters don't do it. So it's not an accurate read. I don't even say only six MPs in the Commons support Boris Johnson. You know, for example... I think we were both at the Conservative home event, which was just a stone's throw from Parliament. And a lot of MPs, all in a one-line whip, um, had effectively decided to go and have some drinks with their colleagues in a big garden, as opposed to be there. And of them, I spoke to some who were quite sympathetic to Boris Johnson, but have decided you know, not to, ta- not to take the fight for a few reasons. Partly Boris Johnson, but also, I think, when you're looking at the polls, there are some who are beginning to think, well, is it really in my interest to pick a fight? <laughs> with the Prime Minister or or to pick a fight within the Tory party when it comes to my chances and actually need to try and unite again after all of this. I think actually the number of Tory MPs uh, so who voted in favour is quite interesting, which is 118. Because a lot has been said about the number who have abstained, which is obviously the bigger number. Mm. And that suggests, you know, I think I'm Rishi Sunak being one of them. Lots of people just want this to go away. They didn't want to have to have to be involved with it. But I think for 118 Tory MPs, so about a third of the party, to choose to stay late when they don't have to, to make a point of saying they back the Privileges Committee is revealing in the sense that this is a group who... They might not, you know, despise Boris Johnson. I think that'd be extreme. But they clearly take issue with Boris Johnson's conduct and the way he and his team have behaved around it. So so I think that was striking too about the vote. Fraser, do you think it was a mistake for Rishi Sunak not to vote to endorse the Privileged Committee report? No, I don't. I think that given how high feelings are running about this, and um, it was excusable for him, I think, to, to dodge it. There are a huge number of people who think that Boris Johnson was set up and I think Sunak, he needs to keep his Tory family together. Um, not so much the MPs, because there's only a small number now who back Boris Johnson, say about 20 or 30, but certainly the voters. Um, and if he is seen to be putting a nail into Boris Johnson's political coffin, that would not help him keep the Tory tribe together. He realises he didn't win his own uh, leadership election. He hasn't got his own mandate. So he needs to be respectful of those who disagree with him and think we can see his dodging this issue as a sign of that strategy. 
Katie, yesterday there was a big announcement on Labour's front on energy. Tell us about that. I think the problem for Rishi Sunak is that lots of Tory MPs are pretty relieved in a way that the Boris Johnson saga could broadly be over. Of course, you have Partygate still in the headlines with the release of the Sean Bailey video of the campaign team partying, the fact the police could reopen an investigation. So it's not completely gone. But it certainly feels as though last night did not lead to the level of division, which suggests that you're going to have... um, this, this rolling on for more days in terms of the Boris Johnson show. But yet, you don't get much sense of um, optimism amongst Tory MPs, partly because of things like the issue of mortgages, the state of the economy, how hard the five priorities are in the state of the polls, and also these looming by-elections that could once again change the mood. Um, so I don't think yesterday was particularly bad for Rishi Sunak. I just think he now has bigger problems than Boris Johnson. And yesterday, Labour made a big announcement on energy. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so... This is part of Keir Starmer's five missions that he has obviously set out early on briefly, but is with each mission doing a big speech to tell more details. And ultimately, this was the energy mission. So you had Keir Starmer going to Scotland, along with the Scottish Labour leader, Anna Sawa, and ultimately pledging a British jobs bonus, um, setting out its green energy strategy. Now, the green energy strategy has been in the news more recently because I think it's fair to say for more negative reasons than positive. So the fact that Rachel Reeves had to use an interview in the Today programme to announce that she was uh, changing course to a degree at least when it comes to her the green energy plan. So that £28 billion a year borrowing pledge for the green jobs plan, which is quite similar to Biden's Inflation Reduction Act, saying that they would not, within the first year, borrow 28 billion, trying to blame it on the Tories in terms of this, the state of the markets at the moment, but saying it'd be uh, where they would get to by the, by the end of the parliament. You've also had Labour being criticised in terms of the the stories about what they would do in North Sea oil, so not granting new licences. Since then, you've had Keir Starmer um, ultimately saying, no, you know, a production in the North Sea would continue for decades to come. So after criticism, but it's still not quite quick, quite clear how that policy would work. So I think you can see Labour trying to say, look at this mission, which is going to bring prosperity and we're going to invest more than the Tories. But it is probably politically the most tricky of the missions so far for some of those reasons. Fraser, both parties seem to be a bit of a mess on energy at the moment. I mean, these are causing real problems for the UK, isn't it? It's causing a particular problem for Labour because Rachel Reeves, a couple of years ago, came up with this idea to basically invest £28 billion a year in a green fund. Now she is um, not committing to that figure because it's obviously a pretty big figure. And they're re- trying to recast this in the mould of um, Joe Biden's uh, Inflation Reduction Act, saying that basically there's new consensus out there where progressive governments, the EU, the US and Labour in the UK, would be borrowing heavily to invest in various green infrastructure projects. But right now, the Tories have basically spent so much money that anything more Labour spends would have to result in tax rises. That's according to the Institute for Fiscal Studies anyway. So Reeves, she's becoming the abominable no-man, I've heard somebody describe her as, and she's saying no to pretty much everything anybody asks of her, spending requests, which is frustrating, of course, if you in opposition. So now they're having to row back on a policy which was called Securonomics. It doesn't look so secure now. It doesn't look as if the money is going to be there. It's embarrassing, but not even 1% as embarrassing as half of the stuff happening to the Tories right now. And Katie, today in the House of Commons, uh, Jake Berry uh, suggested that the Chancellor, Jeremy Hunt, intervene in mortgages and have some kind of great Conservative solution.
solution for the current pressures that are facing those on mortgages. How likely is it that the government chooses to intervene in the mortgages uh, market? It depends what you define as an intervention. Um, I think that it's interesting. What is a conservative solution to this? Mm. Because I think getting involved in the private mortgage market in most ways would not be very conservative. Jeremy Hunt has already ruled out doing so. We're now expecting for him to meet with mortgage lenders on Friday. It means we could end up some of the stories a bit like we had when we heard about price fixing um, after he met with some business chiefs. And then later it's saying, well, this actually isn't a thing. So I think you're going to see the government trying to come up with some ways to look like they are listening, speaking to businesses, speaking to, you know, the big banks and mortgage lenders and listening to people's concerns. But really not the much they can do. And I think actually, if they were, there are definitely some Tory MPs who are going to keep pressing for more help for um, mortgage lenders. But if Jeremy Hunt were to do anything drastic, you're going to end up in a situation where there'll be some Tory MPs who also really oppose that um, because they think it's a dangerous precedent. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening to Coffee House Shots.